the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into Hour 2 of our daily three-hour tour. It is a privilege, honor, and delight to bring back to the show Charles Kessler. Professor Kessler, my teacher, uh, is a professor of government at Claremont McKenna College as well as the Claremont Graduate University, and he is the editor at the Claremont Review of Books, which just released its most recent edition, its winter 2021-22 edition. His essay at the top, Alienation, is what I want to talk to him about, but I also want to point out his book, most recent book, Crisis of the Two Constitutions. If you want to understand Everything going on politically, and we talk about on this show. That's the book for you. Charles, Professor, how are you? Welcome back. Uh, thank you, Seth. I'm fine. It's a great privilege uh, to join you today, as uh, any day. And I, I hope you're uh, thriving. I, I'm doing well. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I hope the same for you, um, the same of you. I love your uh, opening essay in the current issue of the Claremont Review of Books, alien nation. You start with something uh, I've been talking about for years, which is Ronald Reagan's farewell address in 1989, lamenting that we no longer teach really what he called an informed patriotism. And on top of that, he put it that we don't really teach American history anymore. And I thought about that, as you put it, uh, Charles, that was about uh, just about 30 years ago. Uh, if there's uh, there's a lot of famous quotes attached uh, to Ronald Reagan. One of the ones uh, we use here often is uh, the quote, you know, um, of his that uh, freedom is a fragile thing and never more than one generation away from extinction. It's about a generation since he said that, isn't it? And here we are. Here we are. Tell us what you're getting at. Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting at the fact that, um, you know, we, we had uh, – we still have, and we had recently a, uh, a big uh, discussion about immigration policy in this country and uh, legal and illegal aliens. Uh, but the, but uh, in my view, the, big, the bigger political question, the much more uh, dangerous political question, is really about the way we make aliens out of our own children. Um by educating them in the way that we educate them, I mean both formally and, and informally, um, we're alienating uh, our own children from their, their inheritance, from America. Uh, and we're, we're breeding up a, a strange race of uh, uh, divided increasingly between sort of hostile fellow citizens and, uh, and you know, indifferent federal citizens, sorry. Um, and that this is a, a self-inflicted wound, uh, which only we can correct. It can only be a self-directed uh, wound as well, a self-healed wound. And that uh, increasingly, alas, our politics seems to be divided between uh, anti-Americans, which is a, a harsh way of referring to our liberal friends, but it, and it doesn't include all of them, but I, I'm afraid it includes 
more of them than it than it used to. Um, and besides the anti-Americans, a sort of category which I call the post-American. Uh, and these are people generally who are conservatives of one kind or another, um, who who don't hate America. Uh, they um, you could say they despise it. That is, they look down at it. Um, they 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 feel that it is um, uh, not measuring up to what true morality uh, would demand of it, and so they want to get beyond it. However, that would happen, and they had many disagreements about how it would happen. Want to get beyond it as soon as possible. Um, and and my essay is there kind of please. Is there anybody out there besides anti-Americans and post-Americans? Uh, are there is there still are there still American citizens in America, and what can we do to um, make them prosper? You're you're giving me chills, and I want to get to how this comes out from the 1619 Project as you go into it, and Nicole Hannah-Jones. You're giving me chills because I have been given speeches for years uh, when asked about illegal and legal immigration. And I and I were down back to a 2006 testimony the historian David McCullough gave to sent to the Senate. He was lamenting that that uh, American history is our worst subject in high schools. Fifty percent of high school seniors uh, get an F in American history, and he said yeah. we are making aliens of our own citizens. We are sending right. eighteen-year-olds into a country they do not know, and how dangerous that would be. For when the winds come, the winds that are anti-American, the winds of yeah. ideology, what do they have to stand up against? Increasingly less, or decreasingly, uh, de- 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 decreasingly smaller and smaller and smaller forces. And this has been going on for some time. And yeah, I, I, I think that that is the biggest of problems right now, because where are we going to regenerate or renew or give Americanism um, to that to, to the population it needs to sustain Americanism in a country called America? Uh, you're singing my song, Charles. Well, it's, uh, <clears throat> that, those are very good lines of David McCullough. And uh, as you know, he was a, a good, a very great historian. Uh, and and wrote uh, some wonderful books, uh, but he he has a real uh, historian sense uh, of the of the loss right faces America right. Uh, I mean you have to you have to know some history <laughs> to understand what it is not to know history right uh, and, and not to be acquainted with your your own roots. Um, you know it's. Um, uh, it's a uh, it's it's a terrible thing to uh, uh, to to lose your your sense of yourself. I mean, uh, we we all know about the horrors of Alzheimer's and other memory. Yes, 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 yes. Time. But it's what we're talking about is is a is a sort of collective application of the same. Tragedy. Absolutely. Reagan made it, said as much in his farewell. We're talking about an erosion of the American mind, an interesting thing for him to say in 1989. David McCullough, I think, followed up with that, saying we are talking about an amnesia about our own country. That's exactly right, Charles. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and, and again, so when the tempters come, uh, when, the, when the alien ideologies come, 
uh, what is there to stand up against it, which is really part and parcel. You go into this, Nicole Hannah-Jones, the 1619 Project. It's a very interesting thing, isn't it? If I'm right, you would be the one to tell me whether I am or not. But you look at at uh, the 1619 Project and their view, its view of American history. It's almost the lost cause view of American history. It's the, it's the American history that, yeah. uh, that, that Jefferson Davis and Alexander Stevens and the Confederates had at our fa- – they are saying the same things about our founding that Nicole Hannah-Jones is saying about our founding. And there was another view. There was – it just happened to be the winning view, the prevailing view, the majority view that wasn't yeah. that. Isn't that kind of interesting? Without even quite knowing it, 1619 is using the history – that the Confederacy used. I, I think I'm right about that. Yes, no, that's that, that's correct. And uh, although I, I would not arrogate to myself the right to tell you <laughs> if you're correct or not, <laughs> I paid you a lot of money a long time ago to tell me whether I was right or wrong, Charles. I'm still your but, student. Uh, I, I am I'm still your student, and you are still teaching. You said yesterday was your big teaching day. This is a big teaching day too. But <laughs> the, the the interesting thing about um, uh, Nicole Hannah Jones's essay, mm-hmm. which kicked off this 1619 project, is that it, it, it is conflicted a little bit, uh, and and uh, I sort of focus on that aspect of it in in these uh, paragraphs mm-hmm. uh, in the editor's note in the Claremont Review, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I mean the usual uh, the, the fast and sort of serious. Uh, uh, treatment of her essay is really just to dismiss it as a, a, a sort of grievance industry right. uh, eruption. Right. But actually, you know, it begins and ends in a very different kind of rhetorical mode. It, it begins by talking about her father, mm-hmm. uh, who, who, was a, a, who was a U.S. Army veteran. Yeah. Um, and who worked in apparently, you know, uh, very humble uh, jobs in his life and uh, who lived in a segregated part of town, albeit in a, uh, not in the South, um, but who flew the American flag crisply every morning, every day, in the front yard of his uh, modest house. Let me, let me pause you on that because i got to take a break, and that's a good thing for people to reflect on. Nicole Hannah-Jones, the creator, basically, of the 1619 Project, starts her audio autobiography about the project talking about her dad who flew proudly, proudly an American flag on the front yard of their house. Let me hit the quick commercial break here, Charles, and let's pick up on where she takes that from there, because you're right. There is a little bit of a there is a little bit of a twist and turn in what she says. We're talking to Charles Kessler, editor of the Claremont Review of Books, new issue just out claremont.org to go and get it. His book, Crisis of the Two Constitutions. I can't tell you how strongly I think that book is so important. I'm Seth Leibson. He's Dr. Kessler. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We're talking to Charles Kessler, professor at Claremont McKenna and the editor of the Claremont Review of Books, brand new winter edition just out. You can get it at Claremont.org. My gosh, I'm just looking at it, um, speaking to the audience. You will recognize as guests of this show almost every author in this issue from Charles Murray to Tebby Troy to Michael Anton. Of course, uh, Hadley Arcus, Bill Vogley, all of these are Chris Flannery. But also Charles Kessler, the editor, and we're talking about his lead essay 
uh, uh, alien nation. So, Charles, you're talking about Nicole Hannah-Jones and the 1619 Project, and she has this essay uh, of hers that uh, speaks about her life, and she's talking about her dad and how he proudly waved the American flag. I think it's called The Idea of America, her essay. Take it from there. She talks lovingly about her dad and that he flew an American flag proudly. Right. And, and but, but when she was young, this is the interesting thing, which connects directly to Reagan's remark in the farewell address. You mentioned um, his farewell address. Uh, she says that she learned in school. That's it. That America was uh, a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, that racial equality and, uh, and discrimination were at the heart of the American project. And so she learned... Uh, in school, basically, that her father was a chump. That's right. She says, uh, I had been was... taught in school through cultural osmosis, right, to disagree with her daddy. Yeah. Yeah. And that her dad was a, was a fool for uh, being a patriotic American because he had been treated unfairly or his life had not been as, uh, as happy or successful as it should have been. And uh, black people... Uh, you know, uh, uh, had been very badly mistreated in America, uh, and he was uh, partly a, a fellow victim and partly a an inheritor of that uh, of the legacy of that discrimination and so forth. And so, why should he be proud to be an American? Why should he have risked his life as a U.S. soldier mm. for the sake of America? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the essay ends with a reversal. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the essay, she says, you know, and now I realize, I wish I had known then what I know now. Mm-hmm. And that her, her, that, in other words, she, in the end, she embraces her father's patriotism, mm-hmm. although she immediately interprets it. Um, but, but still, there was something, I thought, honest and good and admirable in that turn in her, her own soul, in mm-hmm. her own opinion uh, about these things. But she couldn't bring herself to make the what I would regard as the truly generous and um, sweeping affirmation that principles of America were good. Um, and, and so the principles of America remain good, remain bad in her view. But her father and other black people's efforts to realize those principles uh, have made the effects of them better. Uh, maybe not entirely good, but better. And so she looks upon black Americans as the most patriotic kind of Americans, the ones who really believe the, in, the, in, in, the, in the truths of, this, of the Declaration of Independence, even though from her point of view they were lies. Yes, uh, yes. And for most of our history. Yes. So there was a, there was a, it was an interesting character study in a way, because she was about to break through to a real you know, courageous change of view about America. But in the end, she couldn't do it. And she falls back into a a version of political correctness, a version of the, uh, you know, of the groupthink that so inflicts uh, our politics. Yes, and and, and it afflicts it because it's our schools. I think that is the most important sentence you seized on it of hers. I had been taught in school through cultural 
osmosis. I mean, this this is right out of the Communist Manifesto, really, the use of the schools to disappear the family, the vanish the family. That's Karl Marx's phrase. The, I don't know if it's Karl's or, or, or Engels, but they, that's what they say. We will use the schools to help vanish the family. That's its own institution. But the use of the schools today to, idio- to, uh, to, to separate people from, right, this, 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 this good thing they may get transparent admitted to them by their parents, whether they're veterans or not, whether they're patriotic Americans that fly flags or not. This is where we conservatives have failed for so long, isn't it? Uh, Understanding what Reagan understood in 1989. I don't know that he thought it would be weaponized the way it has, but he clearly saw something going on, didn't he? Yes, and, and, and he was not the first. I mean, if you go back to the 50s and the beginning of the modern American conservative movement, I mean, Buckley's protest against Yale was... It's his first book, right? But, yeah. Yeah, but other... I mean, there's several other really smart uh, people like Stan Evans, yep. the subject of uh, our friend uh, Steve Hayward's new book, yep. uh, were also very much on target in seeing the educational establishment as a kind of um, uh, drug that was uh, affecting the mind uh, and the health of America. And that it was creating a, a country within a country um, of uh, of alien, Amer- of, you know, an alien nation of Americans. Uh, and I'm afraid it's uh, we have this is a, a problem we've never found a solution to yet. And it's true that as we all get older, we become a little bit more and more like our parents, don't we? So I'm noticing that you're becoming a little more like Harry as I am. We have to say a word or two about the conservatives, too, don't we, here on this? <laughs> did you see what I... <laughs> hey, I said only good things. Well, no, but I did say something about the conservatives. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did. Well, you know, they're getting a lot of attention. Yep. Say. Yep. Yep. I think that's right. I think that's right. But the problem at the bottom of 1619 and this whole effort, it's not isolated to 1619. It's It's got a lot of compliments and a lot of things emanate from it, including the whole critical race theory discussion, right? It's that slavery is to this country much more mon- – it's more important, much more important than freedom and equality, right? I mean, that is, at the end of the day, what they're yeah, saying. Right. Everything about America has to be defined through slavery, not the efforts that would lead to its eradication or the prosperity of more people than any other country ever gave to. I think that's really yeah. the problem at the bottom of it. And I don't think, as I say, young adults have anything, anything really anymore to uh, to defend themselves against this, this, this assault. Yeah, I don't, you know, I see... Um, uh, Many very very smart uh, young undergraduates every year. Yep. Um, you know, uh, y- young versions of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. But um, I don't know how much history they know. Yep. Really. I mean, yeah. on the one hand, you know, they have all taken the advanced placement test yep. in American history. Yep. And so they must know something. Yep. Uh, about American history, I think they know facts. Yep. Um, but I don't think they know, so to speak, the values. I don't think they really understand the the significance of some of the facts that they do know. I mean, ignorance is also a problem. Yeah, but sure. In, in, in the students I see, <clears throat> I don't think there's flagrant ignorance of, of the sort that you hear about sometimes in the, in the press. 
But what I do see is a kind of uh, numbness to the moral significance of it all. Yep. Uh, and you can revive that. Yep. You can revive those nerves. But you, ha- you, you know, it takes effort to do so. You've got to reach out to these students and and let them see imaginatively again what's really at stake uh, in these ancient or these very old historical controversies. Because almost all of them, you know, are as uh, are, are as are as fresh as today's news if you just show them in the in a proper light. That's beautiful, Charles, and that's why God created you and the Claremont Review. Bless you, sir. Charles, thank you very much. Great to talk to you, and uh, keep up the good work. Betcha. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you... uh, Live from the Guns Etc. studios. I was just sorry. I was just distracted by uh, a repairman walking by. Uh, 602-508-0960. Rob's on the line. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Happy Thursday to you. I um, Great show. And I won't even say great show thus far. I think it's probably going to be a great show from here on out. Um, when When you were talking about the... 1619 project and everything. I just wonder if they teach, I, I think I know the answer to this, uh, I wonder if they teach anything about who sells the slaves in Africa. You know, the, the tribal leaders who were also black, uh, the Arabs who may or may not be black, but they're still selling uh, black people in the slave market. Uh, and this is way back, and this has happened before 1619, of course, and afterwards. And uh, that never seems to be brought up for some reason. wonder why that is. You know, um, there's a lot that's really um, – how do I want to put it? Uh, that's, I guess, scholarly and in scholarship that is – that is just so highly uh, self-censored when it comes to discussing slavery in America particularly. It was a different thing than it was in yeah. a lot of other places, a different thing. And and yes, you're absolutely right to talk about it not just being an American thing, even the receiving of them not just being an American thing or just even, as you put it, Rob, a white thing. Uh, this was not right. unique to America, and it was not unique to uh, white people uh, in the selling or owning of slaves. Let me point that out too. But, but you know, it's 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 too bad in the sense that it distorts history. I'm for contrary. I think you're probably with me on this. You, I don't want to speak for you. You tell me if I'm wrong. Contrary to the leftist hit on us, or the progressive hit on us, we are not really at all about censoring history. We're about teaching all of it, all of it. What we are against Absolutely. is this censored, this cribbed, this stinted history that puts this hugely terrible, awful, massive issue, slavery, all on the responsibility of Americans. It's a highly decontextualized history we are given and uh, and it's unfortunate because it's not just bad for politics. It's bad for history. It's bad for learning. It's that's that's the biggest crime. It's bad well, for learning. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't know uh, whether or not history teachers are actually teaching 
uh, you know, or going that next step. Well, yeah, slavery's bad. We had slaves here. Uh, but, you know, then they, they have to take that next step. Where did they come from? And who sold them into slavery? Well, that's that's and that's one that's, part of it, and the other part of it is the is the part I have such a gripe with the sixteen nineteen project over, which is she Nicole Hannah Jones does say the founding was a lie. She absolutely writes that sentence in her op- in her essay. She does say that, and 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 what very few people seem to be willing to want to talk about is that there is that view throughout American history that our founders were lying when they said all men were created equal and then they were talking about nat- natural rights in adhering yeah. to everyone by virtue of the fact that they were a human being. There is that view. I will say it again until I'm blue in the face. It was a view that was embraced by the South, by the Confederacy. It was not the view of Lincoln. Sure. It was not the view of no. Ulysses S. Grant. Hell's bells, Rob. It wasn't the view of Martin Luther King Jr., or Frederick Douglass, who went to those right. founders all the time to get the rights that they were claiming. And it wasn't in the Constitution. Uh, and it and wasn't it in was the Constitution. Probably. And it wasn't the winning side. That's the other thing. That's why That's I'm calling right. it the lost. There used to be that phrase. You, you, you've probably heard it over the years, the lost cause version of history. That used to be the Confederate version of history. That was the uh, – what's, oh, sure. what's the what's the movie with Scarlett O'Hare? Gone with the Wind. That's the lost cause win. view yeah. of the Civil yeah. War. And it has been revived. The losing side has been revived by the 1619 Project. This is a problem. Yeah, and and, and that's wrong because it's, it's teaching – uh, incomplete history. Yeah, it wasn't and the majority of the country. Uh, it was too much no. of the country. It wasn't the majority, and it wasn't the winning side. No. The, my, my second point was uh, your your fifth conservative. Oh, yeah, who's the Harry, fifth conservative? Harry Jaffa, hello. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. I was thinking about that. Let me reinstitute okay. the question. Let me reissue the question to the audience. I want five conservatives without whom our movement would not exist. I got Rush Limbaugh, William Buckley, Barry Goldwater, Ronald Reagan, all for various reasons. We can go into it again, or you can argue with me on those. Who's the fifth? Who's the fifth? Rob has given you my teacher, Charles Kessler's teacher, Harry V. Jaffa, uh, a good nomination. Is it, is, is it right? Who are your five? Or who's your fifth? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, parts of which brought to you by the good folks at Balance of Nature. I'm encouraging you to buy their fruits and veggies, their blend of 16 whole fruits and blend of 15 whole veggies. On the fruit side, to maintain your health, they put into tomatoes, papayas, bananas, apples, grapes, blueberries, strawberries, aloe vera to protect orange, tart cherry, cranberry, wild blueberries, again, grapes, apples, grapefruit, and to repair raspberries, pineapple, mango, sweet cherry, lemon, aloe vera. That's just on the fruit side. A daily dose gives you all of that. That's just on the fruit side. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You take it every day. You can even take it more than once a day if you want a little extra pick-me-up in the afternoon or if you're burning the midnight oil just a little bit longer than you wanted to. Balanceofnature.com. Discount code BALANCE. Doug, how are you, Doug? Bewildered. I'm sorry. Is it my fault? Totally, because I I was going to call and talk about a rush. 
and you had so many interesting and stimulating conversations. I'm now three subjects down with an opinion on everyone. All right, we've betwixt, bothered, and bewildered you. Let's let's get to it. <laughs> let's uh, let's see what we can do. The doctor is in. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen. Um, what I was thinking about, you were thinking about the five yeah. uh, people that without, okay. five conservatives um, without whom our movement would be impossible. Right. And I would like to put in something that it may be way out like an outlier, but it, it impacted me and I know many people of that age. In the mid-70s, there was um, an interesting man from Chicago University, won a Nobel Prize you got it. Um, yep. for economics. That's probably the right answer. And, yeah. Yeah. and it wasn't that per se. That is Milton Friedman. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was his book, Free to Choose. Yep. And technically, it was half written by Rose uh, Freeman, his yep. wife, yep. who was also brilliant. Um, but uh, PBS did something it would never do today. It yep. actually had a show on um, on that book, and it went on for weeks. It impacted not only our area and the country, but it introduced hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people to the concept of free markets. Yep. And libertine thinking. Yep, libertarian and thinking. Think, yeah, uh, and, and his book Capitalism and Freedom. You're, I think you're right to nominate Milton Friedman. Uh, yes, of course, I would naturally want to say Harry Jaffa for for a lot of reasons, but to stay out of just the slightly less the slightly more parochial, I think Milton Friedman is in the pantheon of Rush, Buckley, yeah. Goldwater, and Reagan. I think that's yeah. right. Do you remember he had a column in the back of Newsweek as well? I mean, things oh, yeah. he just wouldn't see to day no 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 and and he set fire he set a fire brush to everything else yep. because many of these are great thinkers but what happened uh with milton and i and i've seen him uh at several lectures <clears throat> and he's hilarious yep. i don't mean in terms of humor but he was uh, a, a jewish man and probably about four foot nine yep. and he'd walk up behind the podium and I sat there and told my wife, there was a man who can't even get his head uh, above the podium, no. but his mind is as big as Yeah, he walked six feet you know. tall, and that smile, he did oh. have a sense of humor. You saw it yep. in his answers, uh, in his Q's and A's with the students. Um, he, was, he was very funny. He was charming. I never met him. I've done everything I can to catch up on his scholarship. But I think that's right for a bunch of reasons. I think he is the fifth one. Uh, I wouldn't agree with him on everything, but neither would I have agreed with uh, any of them on everything, and probably no, you wouldn't have I, either. And, and, no, and I, you know, and, and I said one time I was going to call up and disagree with uh, uh, you know Dennis Prager, and uh-huh. I said I was honored beyond belief that I could disagree with Dennis Prager. And I what was that the way. point? Do you remember I what the point was? Some... I'd be curious to know what it was if you can recall it. It was his stressing of, uh, you know, being gentlemen, uh-huh. being very sweet and being, uh-huh. you know, and, and I think it had its time because his point was that we've lost civility. Yeah. But he, that no longer held because we have a different enemy or we have a different um, time and we are, we have to have a slight, we can still maintain our civility, but we can be savages in the, in the warrior 
for freedom. And you. so I was disagreeing slightly, but honored to be when I respect someone so much. And that's the way I feel with Milton Friedman. Mm-hmm. Um, I have grown to uh, realize over the last uh, 45 years that some of his uh, extreme libertine um, thinking or, you know, uh, is uh, out of whack in the sense that there's social prices yeah. to, uh, that, is, that is unaccounted for by people who believe in absolute freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. You often wonder father. if he lived longer or if he lived to see what some of that translated to, if I he might he have rethought some of that. Yeah, yeah. I think he would have adjusted some you of might, that. You, yeah, you, you wonder know. about that sometimes. He He got a few things on that wrong, but that's... Less important what he concluded than how he got there, the reasoning. Yes. Right? Right. That's what was important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the guy was just, um, I mean, he, every interview the liberals would put him on on PBS, here was. Or Donahue. I think Donahue liked having him on a bunch too, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they did. Yeah. They did. And and he would level them like a roller coaster because he would get this little smile. And I Mm -hmm. told my wife, here comes the hammer, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times, every time you got economic professors together, there would be about four or five or six of liberals. And then there would be, you know, poor Milton Friedman. And he would dominate all five or six of them. Oh, yeah. No, this was a world-class intellect who, uh, you know, was a giant beyond his physical stature. Just a giant. Yeah. Oh. You're right. Yeah, to, yeah, you're totally, right to put him there. Totally. You're right. Yeah. Now, yeah. as far as Rush Limbaugh went, I, I kind of think of Rush Limbaugh as the uh, Henry Ford of of the radio. Huh. In that it, it the car had been invented uh, twenty years or twenty five years before mm-hmm. Henry Ford, mm-hmm. but it was only for the elite. It was yep. only for the super rich. Yep. Um, what made Henry Ford, Henry Ford did not invent the car. Right. He invented mass production. That's right. He invented and the that, car that we all came to know. Yep. Uh, and the use. Model T and and use. The model and use. A. Yeah. He, yep. he invented the yep. car we came exactly. to use. That's the way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was Rush. Uh, many of us were out there feeling quite alone because I was a young liberal in the early 70s and uh, watched what happened, uh, many historical events. Milton Friedman being one of the things that got into my head. I said, everything I thought I was trying to accomplish through liberalism... That's another question I'd ask people. What was their first issue that made them give conservatism a look? What was their first issue? What was was your stuff? Well, it was the simple thing my dad pointed out to me to help help me begin my search. I I was thinking in terms of... The big uh, government, because I didn't like big monopolies, yeah. the big military monopolies and that kind of stuff. And my dad looked at me in his wise words, and he says, the biggest monopoly on the planet yeah. is the federal yeah, government. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. thought to myself, holy smoke. Yeah. You know, Notice it took right. a lot of conservatives um, to get there the opposite way. We always were distrustful of the government. What we never used to say, I, I just don't remember a lot of people saying in the conservative movement, is what you hear often. Dennis Prager even speaks a lot about this. Big is bad, whether it's public or private. He doesn't like big corporations either. That's. It took us a long time to understand that. Thank you, Doug. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. You know what professors hate? The same thing elites hate. It's one... 
It's when those who aren't of their club do well and are taken more seriously than they are. Academics and elites hate that. They hate it when non-members of their club are more influential than they are. Why do you think professors hate so much of the communities and hate so much the Rush Limbaugh's of the world or talk radio or Donald Trump? You know, they hate hate the uh, – the, uh, the, 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 very, the very class of people they say they champion the most. The New York Times has a front story. Spotify's Joe Rogan deal is said to be worth over $200 million. Uh, you know, is this news uh, compared to what the Hillary Clinton campaign did to not only the Donald Trump campaign but the Donald Trump presidency invented a lie – propelled it into a story which propelled it into and then propelled it into a legal inquiry from the federal law enforcement agencies, the Department of Justice, the FBI, which then propelled it into a second life, gave it another half-life to its story. Is, 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 is that news fit to print or is Joe Rogan's salary? And by the way, who's surprised by Joe Rogan's? Didn't we know that his deal was worth way north of Anything we could comprehend is what we would be earning. Didn't did is this news really really now we need to? I, I thought we already pretty much knew that within you know a hundred million dollars or so. Don is in Mesa. Hello, Don. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Great. I find it an honor to finally get to speak to the professor that I've been learning from for the last two or three years. Oh, my gosh, you are way too kind. You're embarrassing me. Thank you, Don. It's <laughs> kind of you to say that. Thank you. Thank you. I have a, a the fifth one for your list. Oh, good. Okay, so let me tell the audience. Five people without whom the conservative movement could not exist. My list is Rush, William Buckley, Barry Goldwater, Ronald Reagan. And I was saying, who's the fifth? Uh, Doug had a good nomination with Milton Friedman. What do you got, Don? Mine for me, it's Charles Krauthammer. Ah, Charles Krauthammer. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Totally interesting person. Uh, on that game of underrated, overrated, underrated, totally underrated. Oh, very underrated. Yeah. What, yeah. what body of his work, what, what, what did he stand for that moved you so much in a word or two? Well, that's a good question. He he was consistent. The way he got there, maybe. The way he talked about it. You know, he was trained differently. He was trained as a medical psychiatrist. Boy, couldn't we have used him during COVID, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good definitely. call on the Charles Krauthammer. Um, Thank you, sir. You betcha. Don, don't be a stranger. Call again. Love to talk to you more. Honored to have you as much as you say you are honored to uh, have the call picked up. Totally, I mean that. I could tell you some stories about Krauthammer. Um, maybe someday remind me to do so. I have quite a few. I knew him pretty well. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.